0: 1 Peter chapter 4, and we're going to read from verse 7 through to 19. I'll read it, just it's quite a lengthy reading, so I'll read it to you. But once you're there, if you would stand for the reading of God's Word. 1 Peter chapter 4, and we're going to read from verse 7 through to 19. 1 Peter 4, beginning to read at verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober, watch on to prayer, and above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity or love shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging, as every man hath received the gift. Even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it. As, do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom praise and dominion for forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are the partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the Spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God. On this behalf, for the time has come, the judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Father, tonight we just pray again for your word, for your presence, for your anointing. Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would just come and shut us in with yourself. Lord, speak to our hearts afresh again tonight and Lord, give us ears to hear. Lord, would you come? We pray for a visitation, Lord, in these days. Lord, a visitation of the Holy Ghost. Lord, in your house, Lord. Oh God, that you be glorified through your people in these days, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Last, The last couple of weeks, particularly last week, we've been looking at the judgments of God that we are seeing just upon our nation uh, currently at this time. We looked at the parallels of uh, the announcement of judgment in the Old Testament through the prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, and so forth, uh, against Israel because of their sins, because of their hearts, their backsliddenness, the adultery, uh, the idolatry, sorry, that was in it, and the spiritual adultery also. But we've seen as the prophets were sent in to bring the word of the Lord, um, God had already warned the prophets that they would not be heeded to, they would not listen to what uh, the word of the Lord would be, but yet they were to be faithful and just simply bringing the message. They were the messengers of God, bringing the prophetic utterance we looked at the uh, the fruition of that judgment in other words from the time of the announcement of the judgment then working its way right through we see a number of things in that we see god's long suffering god pleading god sending prophets and bringing the word of the lord to them and yet in all of that they continued to reject they continued to reject the word of the Lord. They listened to the false prophets who told them to be at ease. Everything is fine. All is well. Judgment won't come. God surely would not do that. And yet in the process of time, we see that God then would bring the judgment that he had sent to Israel, the judgment that he had announced to the prophets, that he would be faithful to his word because he is just. And so we see that over that period of time, it was nearly... A couple of hundred years when you look at those first announcements of the judgments of God, right up until we see the fruition or the end a result of that judgment, there was a period of time of maybe a couple of hundred years to where we came as we looked at it last week, remembering that time when Nehemiah heard the condition of Jerusalem. We see the fulfillment and the fullness of the judgment had come. But then we also note that, God also is a God of covenant. And Nehemiah had the revelation that he was a God that held to his word, that at any time that if he would disperse his people, Israel, all across this world, and we'll see the fulfillment of that in these last days also, but that he would gather his people again from the four corners of the world and bring them back to that place, to the land that he had promised them. It's remarkable what God can do when the revelation of God's promise comes to the heart, and God's people begin to operate in that revelation in prayer, but first of all in repentance. And so we're paralleling this with God because he's God and he doesn't change. We're paralleling this then with God's righteous judgments that we are witnessing upon our nation at this time. We looked at how that we are going to be given over to uh, the youth, and not only the youth, but the immature in order to lead our nation to govern our nation we are we have leaders of all around us at this time that we are to pray for but we have got those leaders because of god's judgment that has been placed upon us that is the judgment of god one of the reasons why we are facing the judgment of god in the season that we are in one of the very obvious ones but one of the most serious Uh, judgments, the reason why we're facing the judgment of God is because of the murder of the unborn. That is one of the reasons that today we are in the mess that we are in as a nation. There are going to be no policies. It doesn't matter whether it's conservatives, labor, whether it's the DUP or whether it's a Sinn Féin or whoever is the first minister, deputy first minister, Our nation is going to enter into a period of the judgments of God because of the murder of the unborn. Since 1967 in the United Kingdom, uh, up until last year, I had this figure, so it would be different this year, but from last year, can remember this figure? Uh, There is nearly 9.5 million babies that have been murdered in the womb um, in the United Kingdom. That's nearly 10 million people. Ten million people, that's people who could have been nurses and doctors, policemen, teachers, office workers, uh, and the like, politicians, perhaps some great preachers, missionaries, evangelists, all in that, that have been murdered by the nation. The nation's responsible for the shedding of innocent blood. The reason we're in, the condition that we're in today hasn't happened overnight, and hopefully try and for us to see in a broader context why we are in the condition that we are in. We have seen the shedding of the innocent blood and it's millions, millions, millions of babies have been murdered by the nation. There's individual responsibility, but the nation has created the laws in which this can be facilitated. And so the nation is responsible for its sins And so the nation then, because it has made these laws against God's law, God's word, then the nation will be held accountable the series of governments that have upheld these laws will be responsible. It is a staggering figure. Nearly 10 million is probably over 10 million. And now recently, of course, in our own country, when the laws have been changed and we probably have the worst type Of laws that have been introduced to us through Westminster uh, over the heads of the people, but I believe, I certainly believe, would be one that our politicians could have done so much more. I believe they sat on their hands because it was such a difficult topic, because it wasn't politically acceptable to do anything, and so to keep power, uh, they sat on their hands. When it was being birthed in Westminster and being brought through at that time, we were, our largest party was in a confidence and supply agreement with with the, the United uh, Kingdom government and could have done more. It, it's okay sitting in, uh, having your name on the different areas of what you stand for, what you believe in different prayer groups, but there comes a time when God's people must make a stand that it's not about position, it's about the honor of God, that we will obey God rather than men. And so we are going to see the consequences. We are seeing the consequences of these awful acts that have taken place. The harvest is always functioning. God's harvest. In Genesis chapter 8 and verse 22, after Noah came out of the ark, God said, while there remaineth, Genesis eight twenty two, 22, while there remaineth seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, it shall not cease. There will be seed time and harvest. That's not just in the natural. That's also applicable in the spiritual. So we are now going to see what we have sown as a nation. We shall also reap as a nation. God will not be mocked. God will not be mocked. And so the nation will face, not only because of the consequences of the murder of the unborn, same-sex marriage and so forth, and so many other laws that they're bringing in against the word of God, then there's the consequences of that. And the nation will face the consequences. We are facing the consequences of that. Over in Galatians chapter 6, if you turn Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7, Paul writes and he says these words, Galatians 6 and 7 Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth individually, but it's also collectively, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh, shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be well doing, weary and well doing for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. There's the promise of reaping in the spiritual that there will be a harvest, and we're encouraged not to faint. What breaks the cycle of the judgments of God on the nation? what breaks the cycle of the judgments of God and the consequences of the shedding of the innocent blood. Well, First of all, we know that true repentance before a holy God at the throne of mercy, true repentance from a heart that is humble before the Lord, a confession of sins to the one whom we have offended, that is God, and a faith towards God in the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. That cleanses from sin will break the power of the cycle, if there is a people that will come to the place of intercession, of repentance, of humility, of the confession of sins towards God's, because it's God who's been offended, and so then there will be the breaking of that cycle. That is when true revival can really break out and a true retrieving or recovery of what has been lost, when there's true repentance, when there is a humility of heart, when there's a confession of sins to whom, who has been offended, God has been offended, the Holy Spirit has been grieved, and then faith in God that the power of the blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse a man or a woman from all sin, that there is power in the blood of Christ. But what happens and what needs to happen is that the word and the revelation or the understanding better of where we are awakens the church of Jesus Christ to the need, to the hour. You remember in Nehemiah, if you go back to the first chapter again, when Nehemiah asked the question concerning the circumstances, concerning the spiritual condition, I suppose we would understand it to be, it was physical, but it's spiritual to us. When he asked a question concerning Jerusalem, what is the condition? What does it look like? Tell me what has happened. And the report that came to Nehemiah in chapter 1 and verse 3, he said there, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Here he's presenting the physical picture of Jerusalem. Our Jerusalem, of course, is the church of Jesus Christ. That is our spiritual Jerusalem for the church. And so I would say to you tonight, I believe this to be true, that the church is in a place of great affliction and and reproach. There is a breakdown within the church And the gates there is the gates are burned with fire. That that is the spiritual condition of the church. Sometimes I wish it wasn't that way and think maybe what I'm saying is not true, and then I get the opportunity to speak to other believers or certainly ministers of God as I was today, and it is actually much worse than what I think, and much worse than what we think. And that might sound like doom and gloom and depression, but it's a reality of where we are. It's the reality of where we are as the church in Ulster. The reality is that many see today and believe that the spiritual condition is that. We see it and we say it's it's terrible. We talk to so many of our brothers and sisters, not just here whether it be across in England, so many of the ministers there that I would be in contact with through the Minister's Fellowship, whether it be the south of Ireland or even across over in the United States, all are saying the same thing, that there is a spiritual condition that is broken. There is a terrible reproach in the name of Christ and the church of Jesus Christ. We seem to be broken down. We seem to be burnt out. We seem to have breaches in the wall, the enemy has come in. We seem to be in a place where there's a deadness, where there's a a, a lukewarmness that the church really isn't awakened, but yet it sees the the condition, but doesn't believe that in any way that it's going to have any great uh, consequences to them individually. In other words, we're all going to be okay. And that is so far from the reality of where we are going at this current time. Just yesterday I read an article about a new religion that has been birthed over in the Middle East, uh, particularly in the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain. It's called the Abrahamic religion. It is the joining up. I have a sense, I don't know for sure, but I do believe that this could be very significant for end times, for the prophetic unfolding. The religious beast of Revelations 13. I know a lot of this is seems like, well, this is over our heads. and the, But this is going to have a very profound effect on our lives. And it is going to happen because the Bible tells us it's going to happen. But it is called the Abrahamic religion. It's a project that has been birthed. It started actually back in September 2020 with the signing of Uh, of normalization agreement between the UAE and the Bahrain with Israel. That was created by President Trump, former Trump, former president, and Jared Kushner, which is his son-in-law, to create an agreement with Israel. And out of that was birthed from this agreement, uh, was this birth with this Abrahamic uh, religion. It is basically a religion that has come together of Islam, Christianity, and Judaism and the sole purpose of the project is to establish mutual, I'm quoting, mutual differences and establish peace in the whole world. This is happening This is happening now. And we might think, well, that's a way over, which we often do in this country. That's going to have no effect on me because we're over here in beautiful Balnehinchin County Down and the sun always shines and it's just beautiful and we're going to live our life. We are living in awesome days. And yet the tragedy of all of this constantly is, and it might sound like a broken record, but it will be broken. The church is so asleep. It's shocking. This could very well be that religious beast. Whether it is or not, I'm not saying it is, but it could be. It sounds very like it. It, it would be. Ring true to the scripture that this is going to happen in some form. Is this it now? Is this the appearing and the rising of the Antichrist? Is this really the time that we are now living in because it's changed so much? And we hear the words, but yet we're never really, I think we're stirred emotionally for the meeting. We say the same things. We say, oh, that's terrible. It's it's shocking. It's really terrible what's happening, but it's nearly like we lose because it doesn't go beyond just the sense of we're emotionally awakened to it for a moment, but it doesn't go to the place that it needs to go to. Do you understand what I'm saying? It doesn't actually hit beyond where we are on the surface. We hear it, we see it. I was talking to a man today, he was saying about his, his granddaughter and how confused she is about where she is, what she is. Doesn't know what they belong to. Overcome with mental illness, mental health, all the terms that we hear so often. And she's just one of just a whole host of young people today that are just totally overcome by the spirit of this age. We know it. We know it. We know that to be true. But I don't believe that we are awakened. We hear it. We sense it. We might be emotional about it. We agree with it. And then we move on. In Nehemiah 1 and 4, it simply says these words, this has to happen. This has to happen. Has to happen to me. Has to happen to you. It has to happen to the church. It says, And it came to pass when I heard these words. Do you know there's a difference from hearing the words and hearing the words? I'm going to say that again. There's a difference from hearing the words and hearing the words. There's two forms of hearing. There's one that will hear. It will affect our soul. We'll be emotionally stirred. We might even pray from our mouth and say, God, something has to happen. And we go home and we forget, we forget everything of what we've prayed or the, the impression that was revealed to us in the spirit. And we carry on. Then next week, something is said again and we, God, something has to happen. And then we carry on, we're thinking about work, we're thinking about everything else. It doesn't really change anything of the spiritual climate we carry on. There has to be a day that comes like Nehemiah and the fulfillment of all the judgment that came that when we hear the words, there is something in the hearing that isn't going to the place where then it is mixed with faith and the Holy Ghost and then were moved by the Spirit truly to know what it is to begin to call on God to really intercede what really happened here is that when Nehemiah heard it, it hit him it hit him it actually hit him it wasn't just that he heard something and carried on being the copper, but it impacted him It stopped him. It awakened him. It disturbed him. It wasn't just that he was going to carry, but something had to stop when he heard what he heard. You know, we hear every day of the tragic things. Most of the time we're forgotten by the next day or the next few days. The tragedies. The tragedies of a a car plowing through a parade. That will be forgotten within days. And we'll move on to the next crisis that comes because we've all got the, the ability now just to hear the headline, see the thing on our phone, and then we're away. And tragedy after tragedy will come. But there's more to this than for us just to see the statistical or the spiritual moral bankruptcy The greatest tragedy of our time is the inability for us to hear. And that's actually one of the judgments of God. We don't hear. Isaiah was commissioned to go and to speak for the Lord. If you turn to Isaiah chapter 6, and we see the great revelation in the year the King Isaiah died, I also saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up. And it's absolutely beautiful of the revelation of Jesus Christ. If you turn to verse eight in Isaiah chapter six. He says he hears the voice of the Lord saying, "Whom shall I send? Who will go for who, and who will go for us?" The land was so desperately there was many people in the land, but the land was so bankrupt spiritually that God was saying, "Who actually will go?" Who is it that we can send on on the behalf of God to speak God's word, to speak the truth? Who is it? God is actually asking the question. Isaiah says, Then said I, hear am I, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people, hear ye indeed, but you understand not, and see indeed, but you do not perceive. You see what was happening. They were actually hearing what. Isaiah the prophet was saying, but they were not hearing. You can hear, but not hear. And so he said, This is the Lord speaking, hear ye indeed, but understand not. See ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, make their ears heavy. Shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart. What happens if we see, if we hear, and we understand that we can be converted? and that we can be healed, that there actually can be a healing of the nation. Jeremiah chapter 5, a contemporary, if you turn over to it, read it here again. Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 19. Jeremiah 5 and 19, if you turn over. And it shall come to pass when you shall say, Wherefore doth the Lord our God? All these things, wherefore doeth the Lord our God all these things unto us? Now shall answer unto them, like ye have forsaken me and served strange gods in your land, so shall ye serve strangers in the land that is not yours. There, there actually is a forsaking of God. It's not the world because they're not his, but those that belong to him have forsaken the old past. They've forsaken the Lord. They've forsaken his ways. There's a church, is a very large church, I'm not going to mention its name, I'm not going to try to be judgmental, but I'm going to be factual, it's a very, the into church which is seems to be the thing, it gets a different name, it's a new place, a new warehouse or whatever it's going to be and suddenly then there's all these droves of people going to it, the place is packed and it's filled. The brother said he went along looking to try and find fellowship. He's struggling to find a fellowship, a place where he can go and hear the Word of God. He's hungry for the Word. He can't find a place that preaches the Word of God. This is not in England. It's not in Scotland. It's not in, well, I was going to say darkest Africa, but a lot of Africa's in fire for the Lord. But this is not the the darkest nations of the world. Actually, this is just up the road. This is here. And so he sat hungry for the Word of God and the Word was opened and the, and the minister actually began to mock the Word. He mocked the Word. He mocked people praying. He actually mocked. Do you hear these people that when they pray, they pray the Word of God? And they all started laughing because someone like Nehemiah would say, God, we actually believe in Your Word. You're a covenant-keeping God. You said, Lord... And if you've said it, we present your word to you. They were mocking the word of God, and the place is packed to the doors. You can't get a car park space free. This is here, and yet our nation's changing so rapidly, and our young people are going to hell as fast as they can, indoctrinated with every doctrine of, of the devil. And we're mocking the Word of God. Not in the world. It's being mocked from the pulpits across this land. It's a lightness. We have forsaken God in the house of God. And that's not unique. I'd love to say that's a one-off. But that is not a one-off. It was some years ago when we were alerted to what was happening Up around that same region, we looked, as we always do when we're away on holidays, but up in the north, we wanted to try and find a place on a Sunday morning, because that's what we are, we want to be with God's people, wherever that is, to hear the word of God. We were hungry, we went as a family to to hear the word of God, the church, and we're just looking to get in, slip in at the back, just hear God's word enjoy it and then leave and just thank God that we're being fed and we're in fellowship with God's people because that's what we are. That's what we want. And the pastor's going to preach a message and he begins to present in his message, Superman. And play one of the Superman movies as the message to try and talk about us being supermen if we're filled with the Holy Ghost. It's idolatry. You you think this doesn't happen here? This is where we are. This is the fruit of where we are today. This is now the judgment that people do not hear. We've forsaken the Lord. Jeremiah says, You've served strange gods. You'll serve so shall ye serve strangers in the land that's not yours. Declare this into the house of Jacob, publish it in Judah, saying, Hear now this, O foolish people without understanding, which have eyes and see not, which have ears and do not hear. They just cannot hear. They say the last thing that actually goes from someone who is passing from this scene of time, the very last faculty that you lose is the ability to hear. The nurses would say, keep talking to your loved one.'" They may not be able to speak to you. They may not be able to do anything. But the last faculty to go is the hearing. Brothers and sisters, I I just want to be honest. I believe that that's the crisis the church is in in Ulster. We are at the point where the last faculty that it has is the ability to just hear. And we're in danger even of losing that. When Nehemiah heard the words, it actually went somewhere that was going to make a difference. It went into his spirit. He didn't just hear. He didn't just agree and see the tragedy and carry on with his business. But the Bible says in Nehemiah 1 that he sat down and that he wept and that he mourned and that he fasted and that he prayed before the God of heaven. When it hits us, when it actually hits the church, when we are hit by the reality of where we are, the spiritual condition where we we have come to, there will be something that happens that is going to completely, completely change the routine. He sat down. He wept. He mourned. He fasted. He prayed. And that's when something begins to happen. That's when there's an impact that takes place in the realm of the Spirit. That's when God really begins to move. That's when we'll see the recovering power of God in the church and in the streets of this nation when God finds a people that the Word actually hits them. And it's not just a good message. It's not just a good sermon because we have millions of them. But actually, it hits us somewhere like when Israel came to a point when the psalmist says they sat down by the rivers of Babylon and when we wept, when we remembered Zion, there was something in them that they began to long for the glory of God. They longed for the presence of God. They longed for God to do a work in their day that would bring back what had been lost, that would restore, recover, the testimony of of the Lord Jesus Christ in in our day that there is a, a weeping God. We are sitting at that strange place. We're sitting at the rivers of Babylon and we see the strangeness of it all, but we're longing for the rivers of life. There's a recovery when that happens. There's a recovery not only of the testimony of Christ, but there's a recovery... You see, I believe this. I I honestly believe this. The crisis is coming. It hasn't come. And whether we come to the place where it hits us before the crisis and we begin to call on the Lord, or God uses the crisis to cause us to cry unto the Lord, but the crisis is coming. For there to be a recovery of all of this which we long for, which we believe for, there needs to be something that goes beyond the surface and gets down deep into our spirits. And the Spirit of God begins to move. you turn over to Joel chapter 2, and I know that the theologians debate over where Joel is placed in the chronological order of all of this, but i believe that the word of the prophecy certainly is in line with what we're sharing joel chapter 2 and verse 12 it says therefore also now saith the lord joel 2 and 12 you see when it really hits us therefore also now saith the lord turn ye even to me with all of your heart this is very similar to the language with all of your heart with fasting with weeping and with mourning thus exactly what Nehemiah did, rend your heart and not your garments, turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil, who knoweth if he will return and repent and leave a blessing, even a meat offering, a drink offering unto the Lord your God. Verse 15, blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify the fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and those that suck the breast. Let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber and the bride out of her closet. Let the priests, that's the ministers of the Lord, let them weep between the porch and the altar and let them say, spare thy people, O Lord, and give not thine heritage to reproach that the heathen should rule over them. Wherefore should they say among the people, where is their God? Where is their God? I want to tell you something. If you really listen very carefully, beyond all the headlines and all the shows and all the debates, do you know actually what they're saying behind all of that? They're saying exactly these words, where is their God? That's what they're saying. When they mock, when they laugh, when they belittle, when they mock Jesus and his name, and they belittle the Church of Jesus Christ when they mock believers, those that love the Lord, and they and it's filled with it. The radio stations, the television programs, the news, all of it's filled with it. When they mock and they laugh and they ridicule the church, you know what they're actually saying. They're saying, Where is their God? Where is their God? And because the church is largely asleep functioning without the unction and the power of the Holy Ghost that is given to us through the finished work of the cross. Here's the tragedy. We have actually lost our voice to a nation that doesn't want to hear it anymore. It's not just that we say the right things, but it's said under the power of the Holy Ghost. Peter says here in our reading, But the end of all things, if ever, if ever, these words that were penned probably 2,000 years ago under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but if ever these words could be written and spoken, and if Peter was standing here tonight and it was given to him like the day it was pressed upon his heart by the Spirit of God, if ever these words were so real and so true, And so ready to be fulfilled. I believe they're right now in these days. He says, but the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and watch on the prayer. He said the time has come. There's judgment in the nations. There's judgment in our nation the judgments of God, but then Peter says, for the time has come that judgment begins at the house of God. The house of God, of course, is individually as you and I. We are the house of God. We know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. At first, that has to come to where are we spiritually? Where are we spiritually? Really, where are we spiritually? Only God knows that and between you and God are you afraid to ask Him, where am I spiritually? God, where am I? Am I on fire for you? Am I, am I in a place where I love you? I'm walking with you? Am I stirred by the things that are happening? Am I in the place of prayer? Am I calling on the Lord? Am I burdened for the lost? A burden for the lost? It must first begin in me. It must first begin in you. And then he asked the question, for the judgment that begin in us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? What shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel? The time comes when the judgment begins at the house of God the dealings of God in his house. That not only do we just hear with the outward hearing, but actually we hear what the Spirit is truly saying to the church. Because the end of all things is at hand. The end of all things is at hand. Peter says, be sober, that means be awakened, and watch on the prayer. Brothers and sisters, I cannot overestimate or underestimate, but tell you the truth, that this crisis that is coming upon these nations is a crisis that we have never seen before. It is going to unfold. But the words of of what we see, must go beyond just our intellectual understanding that we hear it and go, that's terrible. Wasn't it again when I was a lad? That's desperate what they're doing. How can they get away with it? It has to go beyond all of that. It has to go to a place where the church again knows what it is to begin to call on the name of the Lord. God have mercy. God have mercy upon us. We get focused in on the most temporal things, but may we get gripped with the eternal things. May we call on the name of the Lord. How does it happen? I'll repeat it again as I close. We come to God in true repentance. True repentance with a humble heart, with a humility, That's a cry, not just how you look or saying something, we all need to be humble. It's so much more than that. It's a cry from the depths of a heart that's saying, God, we're so desperate, we need you to move. Because if you don't move, if you don't move, Lord, our loved ones are going to drop into a lost sinner's hell. If you don't move, we're going to lose our credibility as the church of Jesus Christ in the nation. That's going to hell as fast as it can. If you don't breathe upon these embers and awaken the church across this nation, Lord, in a moment our nation has turned nearly overnight. This nation of Northern has nearly been changed overnight. There has to be a repentance, confession of the sins of the whom has been offended. God is offended. And a faith towards God to believe God for a move of the Spirit of God. May we call on Him, but judgment begins at our door, my door. That God says, What about your heart? What about my heart? God, deliver us from daisy chains, deliver us from playing games. Deliver us from the lightness. We need a move of the Holy Ghost. We need that move. We need it in our day. We need it for the testimony of Christ. May God help each one of us to call, to know what it is that it doesn't just go through our ears, but it actually hits us. And we lay hold of God for this town, for this nation, but we lay hold of God for our loved ones. May God help us. Not just to be hearers of the Word, but it actually goes somewhere deeper than that, where it's mixed with faith. And we begin to pray as we ought to pray. Father, tonight we just ask, in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would come. Lord, that you would help us. Lord, that you would stir our hearts, Lord. Lord, that there would be a circumcision of our hearts. Lord, a cutting away of the things, Lord, that cause us not to hear. Lord, we pray tonight, O God, that you would so move in this place, that you would so stir our hearts, Lord, that you would so awaken, Lord, this church, O God, here in Balnehensh, that there be an awakening among us, Lord. Oh, God, we pray, Lord. I know, Lord, so many would say that, Lord, they could say so many good things about us. But, oh, God, it's not so much about saying the good things, Lord. But, oh, God, we need your spirit to move. We need a stirring in our hearts. We need a place, oh, God, an upper room, Lord, that's prepared, a place, oh, God, Lord, where we know what it is to call on the name of the Lord. Lord, we pray for mercy in this nation, Lord, Lord, I believe, Lord, it's so much worse than what we even think it is. No, God, with the limited vision that we have and the hearts, Lord, that have been opened to understand where we are. Lord, we pray tonight, O God, that we would know what it is to call, that Zion would know what it is, O God, to travail. Lord, that we would know what it is to know, to get down before God and to call on him. Oh Father, we pray, Lord, Lord, deliver us, Lord, from settling, Lord, for the good, O oh God. Deliver us, O oh God, for from Lord patting ourselves on the back and thinking we've done so well. Oh God, tonight, Lord, it's only Christ manifested. Lord, that you, O oh God, moving by your power in these days, Lord, is going to change anything. And oh God, we're asking that you'd come, Lord, to this, this humble dwelling, Lord, these hearts afresh tonight lord that you would touch each and every one of us you would anoint us lord with the power of the spirit of god oh father tonight lord we're asking for mercy for your people for the church here in this land we're asking for mercy oh jesus tonight we pray for an awakening lord help us oh god lord as we wait and we pray and we seek your face tonight we pray lord Oh, God, for those true hearts, Lord, that the judgment begins at our door, Lord. Oh, God, in our hearts, Lord, that you would do a work, that you would do a work among us, oh, God. Lord, such a work, Lord, that you would raise up as, raise us up as one man. Oh, Father, tonight, just have your way in this time of prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.